in this series. Can you remember? We started with the Shema. Shema means hear and obey. Maybe we can say it. You can read if you can remember it. Let's just read that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and the little bit they added later, and love your neighbour as yourself. We started with that. We went on to the Lord's Prayer, which we'll probably recite later. So this is about prayer. It's about how God made us to have relationship with him. So we've actually journeyed a lot. We've had some great times. We've looked at the prayer Jesus prayed for his people, that they would be one and kept from the evil one. We've learnt that we can pray for ourselves and we can pray for those who are not yet believers. We've learned from the prayer that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane about forgiveness, and that was followed up with the prayer that Stephen prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And we learned that the Lord's Prayer actually is something that becomes part of us. We live it. It forms us. And it forms our prayer life. So as we go back into some of the Old Testament today, uh, we're going to move forward at the end to how relevant this is for us. I'm a firm believer that the more you know about the Old Testament, the more you know about Jesus. But more about that later. So it's a journey. So we're going back into the older part, and we've seen that video about the tabernacle. And I just want to give a little bit of the backstory to show them how they got there. You may remember that uh, <laughs> the story of Moses, you know that one? where they brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and they landed at a place called Mount Sinai. You heard that one, Mount Sinai? Well, if you read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, if you are brave enough and can stay there, it's really hard to find out the chronology of stuff. You understand what that is? It doesn't go one, two, three, this happened, then that happened, like you're taught to write essays. No, they deal with this little bit and then this little bit. And sometimes I'm reading there, I think, how many times did Moses go up that mountain? How long were they there? Does anyone know how many times at least Moses went up? At least six times he went up. You know how long they were there? At least a year. Because this was a time when God was going to take a new people, a motley bunch who'd been slaves, who had to learn a lot. He was going to take this new people that he had created and he was going to disciple them as a nation. He was going to show them about himself, themselves, and how they could relate together. So it's about discipling bit like what he does with us. But we need to go back just a little bit further to the beginning, whenever the beginning was, because I haven't got a clue. But in the beginning, God created. He created humans, and he made them 
in his image. And he made them to enjoy God, to be with God. He made them to communicate together. We were created to pray. We were created to say, hi, God, here I am today. My day's going well. How's yours? And there was the smile. There was the communication. There was the enjoyment and delight. But you and I know that the first humans really blew it because there was a lack of contentment of the relationship. Even though it was a relationship of enjoyment, it was called paradise, they lacked for nothing, there was this temptation there to be like God. And they gave in to temptation, they disobeyed, but they didn't understand at that moment that they had to live with the consequences of their choices. That's a hard lesson most of us have to learn at some stage, isn't it? Living with the consequences of our choices. So they were cast out of paradise. They lost access to the tree of life. And they, through them, death and sin entered this world. But God wasn't going to leave it there. No way. This earth now, this planet, became the territory of the enemy. Satan was given authority, and the prince of this air was called the god of this world. But God didn't leave it there. Years later, he sent a man called Abraham. Abraham. He called him. Now, I often wonder about this calling. I don't know whether Abraham was just the only one among a group of people who obeyed God. I have no idea. But I do know that Abraham obeyed God, and as a result of that, God gave him a promise. And he was promised that he would have a son, even though he was old. He would have a nation named after him. And he would have a land that he could call his own. And most of all, every nation throughout the whole world would be blessed by him. You and me are part of that. So Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Jesus came. You know how long that is? About as long as we've lived since Jesus came. It's a long time, eh? It's a long time. But after Abraham came another great man called Moses. Because 400 years later, after Abraham, here are these special people promised to Abraham living as slaves. When they first were taken down to Egypt, things were good. And when things are good, we have no desire to find out who we are, what we're meant for in this world. Life just goes on pretty easy. But things got more difficult, more and more difficult. And slaves have a habit of remembering bits and pieces in the past. And they lament where they are. And eventually, in desperation, they cry out to God. So God sent Moses, and God sent a bunch of plagues to deliver his people so that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was left with no other decision but to say, get out of my way, because a death had occurred throughout Egypt. There were plagues, there was death. And so the people of Egypt were saying, go, go, go. And the people of Egypt gave them precious stones and food and clothes and everything they needed and more and said, go. And so they end up at Mount Sinai. You got the story? That's where they are. So Mount Sinai becomes a very important place. 
today, we've already mentioned an important word when we had communion. We said that the blood that Jesus shed, the poured out from him, was the blood of a new covenant. Did you pick that language up? Well, a new covenant is something that implies that there must have been an older covenant. And so I'm going to go just a little bit into making of the old covenant and why we needed a new one. So in the old covenant, there were three important things that had to happen. Three important things. And this is important for Israel because this place, Sinai, is about their identity. It's about their purpose. It's about their meaning. It's about their mission. Okay? That's what a covenant's about. It's about identity, purpose, mission. And so a covenant is created between God and his people that is called chosen and special people. You got that? Identity, mission, purpose, meaning. Now the covenant has three parts to it. And the first is all about God, where he says, I am the Lord, your God, who delivered you out of Egypt. In fact, I'm the one that rescued you. I'm the one that broke the chains from slavery. Remember, we already had that in our communion too, how that we needed a deliverer, rescue. And so I am the Lord your God who delivered you. And you are my people, says the Lord. But guess what? We've got to learn how to live together. And I'm not going to let you guess how you can please me. I'm going to give you a moral law. We call it the Ten Commandments, which show you, first of all, about your relationship. Our Father, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Worship me. Hallowed be your name. Don't take my name in vain. Don't make any other images. God first. Jesus said the same, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. So it's all about the relationship with the God, the created God, who becomes our Father, and hallowed be his name. And I'm going to show you how to do that. So the Ten Commandments were there for the people to know how to do them, how to be the people of God. But that's not all. God gave them a worship manual. It's very hard reading because we don't understand the culture and we don't live in that. And if it was going on today, we would hate it. But it does go on in some parts of the world today. It was a culture where the people had to know how to worship God. And the book of Leviticus is called the Handbook of Worship. Now, we don't have to do what they did because... We'll come to that later. But we've got to understand why they did what they did. Because God is holy. God is up there. God is transcendent. God was sinned against. And people like ordinary people had this gap. How do we do it? 
So he gave them a worship manual, how to worship me. And that was about the tabernacle. And it was about sacrifices and priests, the laws, that's called. But then he also said the third part of this covenant is, I will live among you. You got it? I've rescued you. You're my people. This is how you live. I'm not going to let you guess how to do it. And I'm going to live among you. Build me a tent. Did you know tabernacle is just a fancy word for tent? Tent. Build me a tent. And this tent would be made exactly how your tents are made, but a bit fancier. So I want to look at the Bible reading here. Uh, build me a tent, I will live you. Did you see the slide with the covenant? Yep. You've got that. Okay, let's have a look at the Bible reading from uh, Exodus. We've had it already in the little video. Moses said to the whole community of Israel, this is what the Lord commands. Okay? Have you had an architect that demanded how you built? This is the prime architect saying, command. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat hair for cloth, tanned ram skins, fine ghost skins, acacia wood, oil, olive oil for lamps, spices for the anointing oil, fragrance, incense, onyx stones, gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest, please. Come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything God has commanded. And the details are there. They're there to the final inch, to exactly what's there. But look at that list. I love this list because there was no excuse for anyone not to give. There's stuff only rich people could bring. There's stuff that kids could bring. Go and get the goat's hair that's in the bramble bushes. Collect it that's got along the trees. Collect it. Bring it in. There's stuff that the women did all the time. Dye the threads. Collect the dye. Can you remember the colours? Yeah, dye them. And uh, the stuff that only probably the men could do. Goat skins. The, one of the virgins actually said the skins of seals. Anyhow, they were skins that could be weathered in, fine, in storms and in the heat of the day. Everyone could bring something. But it was something they usually had to work for to get. Go get that goat's hair. Go get that thread. Make it. And God made people there who were able to put it all together and construct the temple. And so this is the part I love about the story. I love this part. I just wish it would happen sometimes in our community. I think it would be great, just great. So let's look at, look at these verses. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people as sacred offerings for the completion of the temple. But the people kept bringing additional gifts every morning. Day after day, day after day, go get the goats here. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and said, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. It's overwhelming. It's too much. Stop it. 
So Moses gave to the command, and the message went through the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We've got enough. We've got enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. The contributions were more than enough to complete the whole work. And here's the tabernacle. Just a picture. Just a picture of what we think it looked like. So the tabernacle became the tent of meeting for God. And you saw a little bit about that on the slide. But there was still one more thing needed. You've got the tent. Remember we said God's up there, we're down here, and this is ugliness of sin between us. God appointed people that he called priests to stand there between God, between the people and God. So they were the representatives of the priests, of the people. They were appointed by God for the people to present offerings and sacrifices because we needed this shedding of the blood for the new covenant, for the old covenant. Without blood and death, there is no sacrifice for sin. And so the priests were there as representatives before God. Got a picture of the priest? A picture, just a makeup one. Just a word about the Old Testament priests. As I said, they were appointed by God, stood between the people of God and Israel, the role to teach, offer sacrifices, and bless the people. And it's this blessing that becomes our prayer today. And uh, I just want us to look at this prayer of blessing because I love this prayer. So if you can just look, I think it's up there on the screen. The Lord commanded the priests to pray this prayer. Remember, the priests are God's representative, so they pray this prayer over the people of God. And what does it say? You want to read it with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. By praying this prayer over the people of God, the priests were actually putting on the people the name of God. They were wearing God's name. Don't you think it's beautiful? This prayer was a prayer, praying God's name. Let's have a little look at the prayer. There's three sentences in Hebrew, just three. Now, this to me is one of the most incredible things about this prayer. It's highly structured. Three uh, little phrases. And the first phrase is made up of just three Hebrew words. The Lord bless you and keep you. That's six for us or seven. It's three in Hebrew. The next phrase, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, is five Hebrew words. The next is seven. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Seven words. How many does that add up to? Three Five, seven, adds up to 15. The 15th letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Samak. It's like that, okay? That word and that number means kept, protected, 
So the word was structured in such a way that if they did that, it was the prayer as well. But that's not all. It's got 60 letters in Hebrew. The sixth, <laughs> the, the um, heap, because they had letters for numbers, okay? So the number for 60 is shin or sin. And uh, it's written like this. And the Hebrew people actually, priests actually prayed it. I can't do it. Got arthritis. Can you do that? They make those two stick together and those two stick together. They prayed like that. That was the letter. And the 60th letter, Shin, was the name for the, the first letter of Shaddai, the Almighty God. May the Almighty God keep you. That reminds me of the prayer Jesus prayed. May you be kept from the evil one. Lead us not in temptation but deliver us from the evil one. So the prayer is all about the ability of God to keep, but that's the message behind the prayer. Can you see that? You don't need to know Hebrew, but that's the great thing about how this is structured. They knew it. They knew it. But let's look at the verse. Let's look at the prayer there, and there's some verbs. Oh, there's one other thing I should say. There's 15 letters. Three times the word the Lord is mentioned. There's 12 other things, and so the Hebrews thought that was for the 12 tribes of Israel. You like that one too? You can make anything. Okay, God is the subject, the Lord. The Lord is the subject here. So it's the Lord we're praying that will do this. The Lord do that. The Lord do that. And uh, there's six verbs. The Lord bless you. The Lord, okay. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you, and, be, and may you experience grace. The Lord lift up his face, or turn to you, and may there be shalom. So there's three this side that are strong verbs that only God can do. Bless, shine, lift. They're the words of God, okay? The Lord bless you. The Lord shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance, or in one version, turn his face towards you. And as a result of these strong verbs of God's doing, this is what will happen. You will be kept. You will be experiencing the graciousness of God. You will be experiencing God's peace. Shalom. You've got it? Well, what on earth does the word bless mean? Well, it's an interesting little word. It actually means go on bended knee and give. But it demands a receiving. So God's blessing is there for us to receive. You got that? And it's a picture of God actually going on bended knee offering us every good gift that we need, our daily bread. It's a picture of him doing this, and we are to take it. That's the blessing. And as a result, he'll keep us from the evil one, keep us from temptation. Let his face shine upon you instead of a glare of the wrath of God on us. It's the shine. It's the smile of God. You know, when someone smiles at you, there's delight and pleasure, acceptance and warmth that's there. May you know God's smile. That's a way today that you can say it. 
Just may you know God's smile. Lift up his face or turn his face. That's a picture of God turning to us, turning to the people, the broken people, turning to us so that we know wholeness, peace, the word shalom, which is different from peace, which means no war or conflict or no battle. It's something that Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives you peace. It's something internal. It's something that's confident. It's something that can keep us regardless of anything. That's the kind of peace of trust, of faith, of vibrancy. So we ask the Lord to do this. Now, as I said, this is all about the Old Testament covenant. So what on earth can we take away from it? Well, in the Old Testament, if you want to make sense of anything, you've got to go to Jesus. Always go to Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said, this temple, because the tabernacle, once they got uh, in a static place, they built a temple solid, exactly the same as the um, tent, but out of solid structure. So Jesus said, my body is the temple. This temple will be destroyed in three days. What was he talking about? His death. And he said, I will build it on the third day when he rises again. So what temple is God building? Paul gives us a clue when he says, we are the temple of the living God. We are not made out of brick and mortar, but living stones. We are the temple of God. And it's being built. Destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it. And God is building his church. God is building his people. You and me, we are the temple of God. This is where God lives the name of God over us, we wear God. But then there's a little bit more about the priest. You see, there's a verse, we, we, we found about the priest, first of all, the high priest was there, remember? He was standing there as God's representative for God and the people. But listen to this verse, also in Leviticus, where it says to, sorry, it's in Exodus, Exodus 19, where it says, out of all the nations, he said to Israel, you are my treasured people. Although the earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. What Israel was meant to do was the people of God were meant to be the priest, the bearers of God's name, the representatives of God between the nations and God. And guess what? They failed. People were supposed to look at this nation and be attracted to Jesus. But then Jesus, sorry, Paul again, or Peter, sorry, writing to us, picks this up in the letter of Peter. I think we may have that on a screen there where it says, you are my people. You are my chosen people. I'm just looking for the verse, sorry. 
um, where he actually can go there. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests. So who's the priest now? You and me. Priests. Not someone fancy or special in clothes. We are royal priests. We are the holy nation. We are God's own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God by your dedication, by your following of Jesus, by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, by living out this relationship, our Father, hallowed be your name. As I lift up your name, I am your representative. So we are this holy nation, and we can show others, for he's called us out of darkness into light. Once we had no identity as a people. Once those slaves in Egypt had no identity. Now we are God's people. That's our identity. We are God's people. Once we had no mercy, now we have received mercy. And so just as the high priest and Israel were to stand there, we today are God's people for the nations We stand there, interceding, living as God among the people so that they may know the goodness of God. So this is a prayer of blessing. It's a prayer of dedication. It's knowing that we are blessed, as was Abraham and Moses and the people of God, and it's not for us alone. We're blessed to be a blessing. So I want us to actually pray this prayer as we finish today. I am going to pray it over you as a priest, and you are going to pray it with me over the others as a fellow priest. You got it? So we're going to pray it, but it's praying it into the lives of others. So let's have the prayer on the screen, and we'll stand and we will pray it. The prayer of blessing. Let's just say it very slowly. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So we put our name, the name of the Lord, sorry, we put the name of the Lord on each of you today. You do the same for the people around you. You wearers of God. You people who've been brought out of darkness into life. The people who are called my people. We are here for the nations. We are here for the community of Launceston. We are here for our family. We are here to be a blessing. May God bless you. Have a seat. Amen.